Morning. Somebody said it good. I appreciate that. Um, I was thinking this morning and yesterday, and I think about it a lot actually, but just about my family and how like our families shape our identities. You know what I mean? And just kind of some of the implications of that for my life, because I got some crazy family out there, you know. But I wasn't thinking in particular about any of the crazy folks in my family, but I was just thinking about my grandmother and her childhood. She, she grew up in a little town called Bonanza, Kentucky. Has anybody ever heard of it? It's in Buchanan County, and to them, Prestonsburg, Kentucky is like New York City. I mean, it's that kind of place. And that's where my grandmother grew up, and she was one of five girls who grew up on a little orchard back in the middle of Summer Holler in Bonanza, Kentucky. And their life was so centralized in this one little place that my Aunt Myrtle wouldn't even consider herself to be in Kentucky unless she was in Bonanza. When she would visit our house, which is right smack in the middle of Kentucky, she would say, well, I believe I'm going to take me a little trip over to Kentucky later on this weekend and see the old homestead. I mean, she really believed that Bonanza was Kentucky. And my grandmother used to tell us stories about her childhood. And one of the stories that she liked to tell us, even though it always brought tears to her eyes, was the story of when her mother passed away when she was only about eight. And my grandmother was the youngest of all these sisters. And so all the rest of them began to take care of her. And her father began to travel around the state of Kentucky selling furniture. So he was never home. And when I say never, I mean never. And at first he sent some money home to try to help take care of the girls. But... As the months wore on and the years wore on, those little envelopes full of money began to become fewer and farther between. And so the girls began to fend for themselves. And every once in a while, they would see their dad, and and he would always bring them a little something. My grandmother began to get ready for this little um, shindig that they had for all the kids who were leaving sixth grade. Apparently, back then, it was a really big deal to graduate from the sixth grade which might explain why hardly any of my grandma's sisters did that. But, um, you know, just one of those things that didn't really happen. And Anyway, my grandmother, all she wanted was a new dress to be able to go to this party and fit in and not look like, you know, she didn't belong there. She told me about her shoes having holes in the front of them where she'd grown out of them. I mean, all the stuff that you hear about that you really think nobody really did that, but true, you know. And so she asked her dad for just a little bit of money to get this dress that she'd seen down at the store. And he said, you know, that he would try to get her that, whatever. She got to this dance without her dress, of course. And she saw a little girl who she was friends with in her class who had on a dress a lot like the one she'd asked for. And she said, hey, I like your dress, you know. And I really wanted to get one like it, too. Just, you know, a little sixth-grade girl talking. 
And the girl said, oh, yeah. And my grandmother asked her where she got it. And the little girl told her that my grandma's dad had bought it for her. Because apparently he had been having a relationship with this little girl's mom. And he had seen fit to provide a dress for this little girl instead of my grandma. And, I mean, when I just tell that story or, or think about that story, it's just heartbreaking to me to even consider. And each of us, every one of us, has been let down like that by somebody who should never have let us down. We've all been betrayed. We've been backstabbed. We've had things happen in our lives that should never happen to anybody. And the tragedies go beyond our own personal lives, don't they? I mean, if we just look back over the last 10, 15 years, just in the time that I can remember, that's a very short span of human history, but think about it. 9-11, we skip up to 2005, and we've got 2004, actually, and we've got that huge tsunami that hit in Thailand and several other countries over on the Indian Ocean, killing about 250,000 people. You know, just in the last few days, we've had this awful tragedy in Haiti where there are over 100,000 dead. And from a friend of mine who's a missionary down there, it is no joke that literally the dead line the streets in that place and everywhere. Tragedies just happen. I mean, I can look back at some, some different kinds of tragedies, like 1992, in the final seconds of probably the worst basketball game in the history of mankind, Christian Leitner hits a turnaround jump shot to kind of just ruin my childhood, you know? I mean, you guys who are Tennessee fans can look at the last you know, five or six days and, and just think, how could any human being do something like that? How could Lane Kiffin leave Tennessee, of all places, you know, after one year, and he's headed off to California, IA, right, to go and, you know, be with his people over there. <laughs> but if, if you are anything like me, it's a sense of history, and it's a sense of place that allows me to grab hold of an identification that can drive me forward in hope, even when things don't go the way that they ought to. We all face difficulties. But as we turn in our Bibles to Psalm 125, I hope we can find there a comfort that can carry us through even some of the most difficult circumstances that we'll face. Psalm 125. Psalm 125 says, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good, and to those who are upright in their hearts. But those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. Peace be upon Israel. You know, I turn to the Psalms a whole lot in times when I need some comfort. 
And the reason that we're able to do that is because when we look at the Psalms, what we find is a collection of writings that are just ingrained in the hearts and the memories of God's people. They carry some of the most deep and important doctrines that we have as Christians. And so we can go to the Psalms and we can know that we're being protected from wrong thinking. And we're even, check this out, being protected from wrong feeling. We're being given the right kinds of thoughts and we're also being filled with the right kinds of emotions that flow from the truths that we hold on to as believers. You see, this thing called Christianity is not a new thing. In fact, it's not even just 2,000 years old. But God's plan has never changed. God's plan has never shifted. But from the beginning of time, God has been working out one single plan for the redemption of humanity. That is so true that even this following statement is true. Even history did not start with creation, but it started with salvation. Before the foundation of the world, the Lamb was slain. So before God spoke anything into being, before God you know, lifted up His voice and spoke into motion all of the planets, before God brought forth even the first little particle of this universe... The Lamb was slain, securing the salvation of all God's people. And God continued that plan throughout the Old Testament, starting with Adam when he pronounced that eventually a Savior would come and that he would defeat the enemy who had got the better part of Adam and Eve in the garden, right? And then with Abraham, God begins to clarify that vision. And he creates a people in Abraham who are going to be branded by their trust in Yahweh. They're going to be known by their faith. They're not going to be known by anything in particular that they do. They're not going to be known by any way in particular that they look. But they're going to be known by their trust in the Lord. And now we turn to Psalm 125, and here's, here's what we get. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides Forever. In other words, this group of people who have put their trust in the Lord, they're not going anywhere. They're like this mountain, this high place. And you know, Jerusalem wasn't really a mountain. When we hear Mount Zion, we think it was a mountain, you know, like one mountain. But what that means, it refers to the entire area of Israel, the Jordan Valley, um, and the Temple Mount. All, all of that combined, that's Mount Zion. And it's the place where God's people are supposed to be. If my grandma had grown up there, it would have been called Bonanza, Kentucky. It's home. It's home. But check this out. It's not just home for the people who were born ethnically Israel. But it's home for all of us who call upon the name of the Lord. It's home for all of us who are branded by faith in Yahweh. And so when somebody asks you, where are you from, you don't want to be pretentious and preachery and weird and say Mount Zion, right? But you really are from Mount Zion. You really are. Um, I think it's Psalm 127 that says, of Jerusalem it will be said, this one and that one were born there. 
All of those whose names are written in the book of life. Born in Jerusalem. Born in Mount Zion. And so your home is Mount Zion. Now think about what that does. Think about it as a Tennessee fan for a second. I mean, it's, it looks pretty tough, doesn't it, as a Tennessee fan? I mean, I'm just trying to put myself in your shoes, and I can put myself in your shoes because we had our own Lane Kiffin a couple of years ago in basketball world named Billy Gillespie. Anybody ever heard of him? And you talk about turning somebody's world upside down. That sucker knew how to do it. Just upside down. But watch, because we have all this history of success, because it's ingrained in the psyche of the Kentucky boy to have a great basketball program, listen, we identify ourselves with that history more than we identify ourselves with this little flash in the pan named Billy Clyde, right? And as Tennessee fans, because you have this long history of success, with the general, with Johnny Majors, with he who shan't be named, um, with, um, with even Lane Kiffin. You can look back on all these years of success and know that your identification is more with those years of success than with this flash in the pan called a little bit of difficulty right now. And Israel was no exception you know, a lot of times we go through something that's hard. For example, like in 2003, I got a phone call and my dad had passed away. Hard time, right? It's tough. No fun. We go through something like that, and, and we, begin to, we begin to think, well, you know, the, the Bible just really, you know, it's fine to believe all these things when things are good, but my goodness, what am I supposed to believe when things are not good? But we forget that the Bible was written in a span of about 3,000, no, more than that, three or 4,000 years, the Bible's written. You think nothing bad happened to anybody in that three or 4,000 years? And much of the Bible is written because of the difficulties that God's people faced. In fact, most of the Psalms are Psalms of lament or Psalms of mourning or Psalms of crying out to God. So there is a word for us when difficulty strikes. Unfortunately, that word is not always everything is going to be okay in the here and now. Unfortunately, no one can say with a straight face and an honest heart that everything is always going to turn out okay in this world. But here's, here's what we can begin to, begin to see. First off, in verse 2, it says, As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so Yahweh surrounds His people from this time forth and forevermore. The way this sentence is structured, here's, here's how I would read it. Jerusalem, the mountains are a circle to her, but Yahweh is a circle to His people. I remember when I was at the park with my niece, and she was trying, she was trying her best to, to get up this, um, to get up this ladder to go down the slide, and she just couldn't manage to climb her way up. But she was really small, and the ladder was made for a little bit bigger kids, so she was having to just reach with all she was worth to get a hold of the next rung in the ladder. And so she was trying to go up that thing, and she was like, "I can't get up this thing. I can't." She was starting to cry, and so all I did was I just reached out, put my hand underneath her foot. 
and just kind of pushed up a little bit. Just a little bit. She still had to try, but she wasn't going to fail. You with me? And as I pushed, she began to take heart because she knew that there was someone stronger than her ensuring that she would make it to the top of that ladder. I remember another time I was at a camp, and it was an inner city camp, and we were out playing kickball kind of in between all the yards of this inner city neighborhood, and all of a sudden somebody's pit bull got loose. Now, listen, I'm just going to tell you, me and dogs have kind of an understanding. You leave me alone, I'll leave you alone, you know? That, that's the way it goes with me and dogs. I don't bother dogs, I don't mind dogs, unless they're Jake's. <laughs> I don't like Jake's dogs. Um, but I don't, man. But, but this pit bull gets loose, and I'm telling you, all I wanted to do was go run, climb up the tree that was right there. I mean, I was just going to go up that thing just like that. Well, n- before I could do that, all of a sudden, every other leader was in the tree, and every kid had climbed up me. So I'm just chilling with like eight kids climbing up on me, like t- hiding from this dog. And I can't move fast enough to get away from it at this point. So all I could do was just stand there and hope this pit bull didn't start, you know, biting my leg off one inch at a time so he can get to those young ones, you know. And he didn't. <laughs> so I still got legs and I'm fine. The kids, the kids are fine. But watch this. Those kids knew that the only way that pit bull was going to get them is if it got me first, right? <laughs> pretty good thinking. Um, and they probably figured he'd be pretty full by the time he got done with me anyway, so they, they're going to be all right. And it, in Jerusalem, they knew that nobody was going to get to Jerusalem unless they went through those mountains first. And they knew that nobody is going to get to God's people Unless they go through Yahweh first. At the very moment of the formation of the people of Israel, when God made his covenant with Abraham, he said to him, I am your shield, your very great reward. And so one of the very defining characteristics of the people of faith is that we find our protection in Yahweh. Move to the next verse. And it says, For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. And this becomes, this is a difficult little verse to deal with because what we've got on the surface is a verse that tells us that the bad guys aren't going to be in charge of God's people. Isn't that kind of what it looks like here? The, the scepter of the wicked, in other words, the wicked having their place of leadership, their place of rule, right? It's not going to rest on the land allotted to the righteous. Well, I did a lot of studying, and I went back and I checked every occurrence of every single one of these words in the entire Old Testament. I mean, that, that took a lot of work. So, but I think that we can come to some pretty steadfast conclusions in light of, in light of what I found. Here's... Here's the first thing that I found. As I checked out every single occurrence of this word, the righteous, in the entire Old Testament, here's what I found. It never, one time, in the form that it's in right here, refers to a righteousness that
that has to do with anything that anybody does. Not once. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? Not one time. Every single time, here's what it refers to. It refers to like a court of law. And in that court of law, these people who are righteous, the only thing that's true of them every single time is that they've always been found in favor of in that court of law. So the judge has said, you're in the right, you're in the wrong. And always the righteous are these people in the right. So that's what it means. It means somebody who's come out as the winner in some kind of a court case. Does that make sense? That's the righteous. Also, this word, the righteous, is pretty much interchangeable with the term God's people. I mean, that's what it means. It means God's people. So when we see the righteous, what we're talking about is God's people who have been declared God's people in a court of law based on their having placed their faith in Yahweh. That's who the righteous are. Is everybody with me? That's who the righteous are. Now, every time this, um, this word land allotted to, that's all one word. And all it means is like portion. Portion. And here's what that's referring to. It's referring to the promises of God which have been given to His people. So here's, here's what's steadfast for those who are trusting in Yahweh. What's steadfast is that God's promises will always hold true. And His promise is this, that He has an eternal place for His eternal people. And in that place, He's going to make known His goodness and His love and His mercy and His provision forever. That's the portion. And so what we have right here is a declaration from the psalmist that says, For eternity, forever, on into perpetuity, God's people can trust that the wicked will not rule over them. So our right now trust sometimes is going to seem to be disappointing. But as we cast our gaze into eternity, as we cast our gaze into forever, as we look forward into the ages that are to come, we have a steadfast hope that Yahweh will be true to His promises to Abraham and to all His people forever. And He's going to rule with justice, with kindness, with mercy, and with great, great provision for the objects of His love and faithfulness, who we now know is the church, those who are in Christ Jesus. It tells us the reason for that, so that we can take heart in difficult circumstances as God's people, and we won't be tempted because of the difficulties that we face to do wrong, to join in the injustice, to join with the unmerciful. To join in with those who rebel against the Lord. But because we know that there is a great hope that's going to extend into foreverness, then we can take heart and it can lend strength to us to do what's right, even when everyone else is abandoning that. And the psalmist just goes on to ask the Lord the following. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good, to those who are upright in their hearts. 
But those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. And peace be upon Israel. It sometimes doesn't give me that much comfort to hear the Bible saying that the Lord is going to do good to those who are upright in their hearts. To those who do good, right? But here's the beauty of being in Christ. Jesus Christ has satisfied the expectations of the whole teaching of the Old Testament. And he's done that on behalf of all those who place their faith in him. And so the uprightness of heart that belongs to Christ, the goodness of heart that belongs to Christ, is counted as ours because of what Jesus Christ has accomplished for us on the cross. And so as, as it says in his letter to the Corinthians, Paul says, let your yes be yes and your no be no, because all the promises of God are yes in Christ Jesus. So because of Jesus, every promise God ever made is trustworthy, even though we fail to live up to it. Israel failed to live up to it. And so they continued in exile according to God's promise for hundreds and hundreds of years. In fact, they were still in exile when Jesus came on the scene to declare the coming of the gospel. God's faithful to his promises. But those of us who are in Christ can trust in the goodness and mercy and the provision of God forever and ever. And here's, here's the beautiful part. In the New Testament, what we find out is that you who have placed your faith in Jesus Christ are together the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are together the new Jerusalem. You are together Mount Zion. So as we begin to identify with Christ, as we begin to identify with this long history of God's provision for his people, what we find out is that right here, right now, we have the place that we need to identify with, and we have the people that we need to identify with in order to help us through these difficulties that we face. I don't want to use a big crazy word here, but eschatology. Everybody know that word? That means end times kind of stuff, right? Well, check this out. The church, as the people of God, as the embodiment of Jerusalem, as the embodiment of the temple, that's an eschatological reality. In other words, you want to talk about end time stuff? We've got end times kind of stuff right here. Just in the love that God has given us for one another. Just in the faith that he's given us in Jesus Christ. And just in the new life that he's given us in the Holy Spirit. I remember... One more, one more little story. I remember. Anybody ever climb a tree? You know how when your little trees look way bigger than they really are? I remember this story, and the tree in my mind is like 100 feet tall. But I've driven back by to look at it since I've been a grown-up, and I think it was about 25 feet tall to the very top of it. Um, so just keep that in mind as I tell this story, because I'm going to tell it the way I remember it. <laughs> um, we were climbing this tree in my grandpa's yard. And it was 
just me and my cousin Lindley were climbing the tree because my sister was too scared. And so we take off climbing up on the tree, and I climbed up as high as I could. And I think when I got to the top of it, I was about three-quarters of the way up. It's all 75 feet in the air, right? Um, and as I, as I sat there, as high as I could get in this tree, I reckon it was about 15 feet off the ground, really. But I was only, you know, three or four feet tall, so that's a pretty good, pretty good lick up in the air. And we just started talking, Lindley and I. And my dad and my grandpa are down on the ground. You know, they're talking. And all of a sudden, as I'm sitting in this tree... The branch that I'm holding on to snaps. And when it snaps, I'm gone. And so I start tumbling out of this tree, just flying to the ground. And and my dad looks up and sees me. And so he comes running around the tree as fast as he could to try to catch me. He's got his arms out just ready to catch me before I hit the ground. And next thing I know... He did not catch me. <laughs> he didn't break my fall. He didn't get a foot underneath of me. I mean, he didn't, I mean, nothing, man. I'm talking flat on my back on the nasty, hard rocks and grass. Just boom, you know. Man, I, my grandpa and I thought I was dead. <laughs> Daddy, Daddy let me down that time, you know. <laughs> I wish I'd been a little older so I could have been like, nice catch, Pops, you know, or something. But we have, we have a father who's not going to let us down. And as the mountains circle Jerusalem, so Yahweh, so the Lord circles his people from this time forth and forevermore. So keep on hoping. Keep on faithing, right? Keep on praying. And trust that God will eventually provide all His promises for His people. Many of you have difficulties in your lives right now. Just on our staff, we've got difficulties. I know Jake's going through a tough time with his dad. Barbara's been back and forth from the hospital all week with her father-in-law, just dealing with some stuff. Tom's had his bout. Lyle's at home right now with 102 fever. I mean, the dude's sick, you know. Um, I mean, seriously, it's not, I don't want you to think he's got a runny nose, but he, he's, he's struggling. Um, we face difficulties all the time. And there are those of you here who you just face your difficulties valiantly, and you never really let anybody know about it, but in your heart, you know what you're struggling with. And I, I just hope that as I pray for our church, that you'll accept this prayer and just agree with it and ask the Lord for His mercy in your life. And then I'm going to give an invitation. And if you need to respond, I hope you will.